Julia. Today's episode is so exciting. It's about India. Oh, namaste. Now, oh, there you go. Mm. You with your languages. <laughs> That's about as good now, as it gets. Because you've been, yeah. and I'm going to sit here really upset and feeling terrible because you're going to tell me how amazing it was and I just have to hear and imagine. Now, it's the biggest country in Southeast Asia, right. and no news to you, and it has the second highest population in the world. Of course, China has the highest. And you know what? You would know there are over one billion people living in India. It's hard to imagine that many people, right? It is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So off you go, and then I'm going to query and question you as we go along. My visit was, um, you know, not north to south or, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks on end. It was a real kind of bucket list visit, and that was mostly about going to see the Taj Mahal, but also um, spending a few days exploring Delhi. The Taj Mahal, mm. is it? does it do to you what you imagine it's going to so that when you come around the corner or when you first see it, you can't believe it? Yeah, it's totally one of those moments that we that we talk about. And yes. there are other, you know, I, I, I can recall similar feelings when you kind of catch a first glimpse of something that you're chasing, that you're, that you're going for. So whether that's a, I don't know, a glacier in Patagonia or somewhere, but when you first approach the Taj Mahal, and for me it was that, that sort of view you get through a big gateway. You know when something's framed oh. through a through a gateway. Oh, is that how it starts? Yeah. Is so it? you enter through um, through through a, a you know an arched gateway, and um, you, to see the, the the building in the distance, um, kind of filling that entire frame, is uh, astonishing, amazing. I, similar to when you first turn around that corner and see St Peter's, it's yeah. sort of like in its arms. Yeah, it's, it's a real it's, amazing you, you know, feeling. An intake of breath, and you know maybe standing on end kind of tingles and um yeah just an incredible place um very busy lots and lots of people visiting it um but so just... when you go ben you always see pictures of people standing in front of it or sitting on that bench where princess diana indeed mm. was are you able to walk up and through and go into it yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. So, you... so you can um i mean the gardens in front of the taj mahal are beautiful that's sort of um I guess that Persian style garden with a, a square that's quartered by waterways with a with a kind of pool in the centre. So the gardens themselves are beautiful and to wander through that space and then uh, climb the stairs up onto the platform that the Taj Mahal is on is pretty extraordinary experience. And to to I mean from a distance the thing is amazing, but up close when you see all the the stones that are inlaid into that marble and the different colours and, you know, it's it's just beautiful. Beautiful at, at <sighs> close up and at kind of um, distant scale. It's amazing. In fact, imagining it is just breathtaking. Yeah. Now, when you went to Delhi, because t- the Taj Mahal's a bit outside Delhi, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's in Agra, yeah. Yes. Um, what was it about Delhi that, well, I'm gathering, it changed your life? Because, you know, people say when you go to India, it actually changes your life. Yeah, did it do that for you? It, it, look, I guess it did. It's that sense of a place somehow functioning in total kind of chaos. <laughs> like it's yep. it's kind of mayhem and um, it's noisy and the, it's colourful and there's stuff going on everywhere. There are cows wandering across the roads and traffic's kind of all over the place and um, and there are literally people everywhere. But it it functions and you know people there's you know you see smiles everywhere you go and it's just um an amazing urban environment and is that what is that what it is that it changes your life that you understand that you can have actually chaos that is exceptionally wonderful and that there's all levels of living and people i think it's that almost that i mean 
seeing the functioning, the functionality and the chaos is one thing, but also then seeing the diversity and the range in, you know, from poverty to, you know, incredible wealth and, you know, ast- astonishing kind of monumental buildings to, I guess, kind of slum areas and just seeing all of that in the same physical space um, can really kind of shift your thinking a bit. Now, there's one one word that you haven't used, which everybody talks about, and yeah. that's colour. Yeah. It, it's amazing. You're yeah. in a rainbow of brights and beautiful um, hues and yellows and pinks and greens wherever you turn. Did yeah. you actually feel that as well? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's it's like a it's a technicolor kind of experience. I mean, obviously it changes depending on where you go. It's an incredibly diverse country, but you know, I guess my kind of lingering memory of a particular color was almost that sort of terracotta kind of sandstone oh. color of a lot of the the buildings and the forts. So you know, there's an immense fort in Delhi, the Red Fort. Um, there's a similar one in Agra as well. And then all the, the government buildings are that similar kind of terracotta colour. So the window frames and doors, et cetera, are they the colours or is it what people are wearing? Oh, it's, it's all those things. Yeah, absolutely. So what people are wearing, it's the colours of the, you know, the tuk-tuks and the, you know, the, the, the buses and it's just everything, everything's in motion and it's bright and it's noisy and, um, yeah, it's unforgettable. Uh, I, there's a, uh, I happen to be visiting Barrel in New South Wales on exactly the weekend. Exactly the same. <laughs> 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 so it wasn't that what I was thinking that Barrel had that same feeling, mm-hmm. but there is a little shop down there called the Three Wise Monkeys and it's all India. Mm-hmm. And when you walk in, you get that feeling that I imagine you get on such an enormously grand st- scale when you're over there because you don't want to leave that little shop. There's all sorts of wonderful things and you just, it just makes you feel happy and cheery by virtue of the fact that you're there. India must be like that. Yeah, it is. I I think, I mean, it's it's not all, you know, shiny and and beautiful. I mean, there's some stuff that's pretty confronting as, you know, as you would experience in any, I guess, in any kind of um, emerging economy like that. But um, yeah, it just, a lot of it just makes you kind of stop and think and, you know, whether that's for, you know, you're seeing some incredible joy in a place that you wouldn't sort of expect it or whether it's sort of the opposite of that or just that, um, just that diversity of everything all at the same time in the same place. It just, it, it changes, changes the way you think. And, and the other thing about India, you can go to Delhi or you can go to Bombay mm-hmm. or Calcutta, mm-hmm. any of those places, which are far apart mm-hmm. and, um, they are going to give you exactly the same experience, but the food might just change a little bit from area to area, from place to place. Did you uh, experience fabulous food wherever you went? Yeah, I mean, look, the food in India is is astonishing. I mean, you've probably got a, a reasonable idea of what it's like, but, yeah, incredibly diverse as well. So, you know, huge um, areas of, of coast where there's incredible seafood, um, you know, um, and, you know, arid areas as well and urban areas with quite sophisticated cuisine. So immensely, immensely diverse. Now, if you were suggesting to somebody who was going to India who hadn't been before, um, where they, what sort of holiday they should have, what sort of journey they should have, should it be a yoga journey or an adventure journey, a food journey, a textile trip, which I just think would be a, a craft tour throughout India would be too amazing yeah. for words. So if you were to say very quickly what you thought they should be doing. Oh, God, anything goes in India. Well, that's and, no on, help on, anything. On all, on all levels. Give but a, um, everything you've just described is is on offer and, yes. you know, you can do all of those things um, on the cheap or in astounding luxury and, um, you know, you can go from the foothills of the Himalaya down to the 
the coastal areas around Goa and those incredible um, uh, Portuguese cities. And, you know, so there's, there's, there's everything, everything you can ever imagine in that one country. One place I'd love to go is to Mumbai, to, to yes. Bombay, um, and to see the Dabba Wallers. Have you heard of the, no. the Dabba Wallers? So these guys are the lunchbox deliverers. And they, so all, all through Mumbai every day, there's something ridiculous, like 10 million lunches are delivered from wow. people's homes yes. to the desk of the, of the person whose lunch it is. So the Dabawallas um, go all over, all over the city collecting the lunches from, you know, from, from the wife or the husband, whoever's at home who's made the lunch, put it in a tiffin and gets delivered to a- A cent- tiffin is? Oh, so those those gorgeous little Indian lunch boxes that sometimes stack on top of each other. Okay, right. So, um, you know, it might be a little multi course meal. It gets taken to a central collection area where it's sorted. It's somehow they keep track of all of these tiffins. They've got little color codes on them, and you know, little little notes on them. Um, and then they're delivered all over the city with this incredible level of accuracy. Like, I mean, there's I don't know whether it's um, an actual fact, but the thing that is said about it is they make one error in 6 million deliveries. Wow. So it's been studied by all kinds of business, um, people who study business processes and that kind of stuff is how they do this so accurately. Speaking of good meals, I have a great surprise for you and for our listeners. We're going to be speaking to Christine Manfield, who is, yes, Mm. Indian food chef and book author extraordinaire. Wow. Okay. Yes. Today, do we have a treat, listeners? We are thrilled to introduce you to our guest, celebrity Christine Manfield. Christine is a chef, author and food writer who is incredibly well known here in Australia and who has a very long history with Indian food. Christine has written two books specifically about India and has travelled to the country about 40 times and counting. Christine, it seriously is an honour to have you in the studio with us today. Welcome and thank you for being here. You need to tell us about your love affair with Indian food and how it actually started. I jumped into cooking as a midlife crisis, you know, third career. So, um, and I've always had a love of spice. I, um, I'm sort of allergic to anything that's mediocre and beige. Um, <laughs> that is fantastic. And, um, and so the spice world just sort of opened up to me and it, informed the way I cook and so it was just became an integral part of me and then then I went to India for the first time in the mid-90s as a guest chef and um, so that gave me the f- my first opportunity to it's, it was like a homecoming really I just felt really comfortable really at home I sort of got it you've got to get the you've got to get the the, the mentality as well and be able to work with that and, and get the most out of it. And I think for the, um, the bunch of male Indian chefs that, that I was, um, that I had in my, in my um, team, um, it was a revelation to them too, to see this, um, this white girl, white witch, you know, totally at home and comfortable and being across all the, all the, ingredients that they that they use in their everyday cooking. So where did you go first and when you were there and talking about what you're talking about what was actually the tipping point for you that made it so comfortable? Well, I think um I'm someone that likes to step outside my comfort zone. I just think that's 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 that should be your first priority when you travel. If you're going to have the same experiences you have at home, stay at home. It's a really good tip, that one. Um, yeah. Um, and so it was just so other. And 
and I'm and I'm that sort of idea has is always reinforced me every time I go. You know, there's there's no other place in the world that's like India. I travel all over the world. I love so many different countries for, for different reasons, um, but India is is in a it's in a place of its own. And you know, and any adjective you can think possibly think of, positive and or negative. It's India all there. Has it. It, it's it's played out in front of you, um, and it's just such a visual feast and a fantasy, and you know, um, you know, it just it for me it just feeds my brain. And um, so, before we get into the food, then let's just talk about India a little, because I haven't been, and people say to you when you go to India, it absolutely changes your life. Mm. How does it do that? And you began giving us a sort of verbal portrait of what it looks like. What is it? That changes your life, and when you are there, spinning three sixty degrees, what are you actually seeing and feeling? Well, it's like it's such a um, a riot of colour for a start. Colour is wherever you a, go in India, and it's like just imagine looking through a kaleidoscope when you're tripping. So that's that's sort of what India is like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I'm I'm enjoying that thought. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sort of it's it's just you know it 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 sort of just in, you know, engulfs in, in you, embraces you, and also the most generous people that you cannot um, beat their hospitality. And you, you know, every time I go, I'm introduced to someone else's auntie and you know, mother yeah. and whatever. And so your network just grows and grows and grows. Because and f- having food as a as a starting point, which is the other religion. There's two religions: cricket and food. Um, and so there you, you can always. Yeah. Start a conversation. Everyone is always talking about food. Doesn't matter where you are, um, and you're having breakfast, and you're talking about what you're going to have at lunch, and yada yada. It just goes on like that. And before you know it, you know you're sitting in someone's house, having a home cooked dinner and or lunch. And that's for me. That's 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 the heart and soul of what India is: home cooking and absolutely no language issues whatsoever. You work around it if there are, but but you know just about every, some some of the you know more remote villages not so much but you can still communicate yes. they still have the basic words every all the kids um learn english um and there's a you know much stronger emphasis now on on education for for um for all kids you know it's getting there so then when you talked about your love of spices and Indian food is pretty spicy, here in Australia we have basic takeaway food and we're all getting curries and all those sorts of things. But what is there? What is what should we be looking for in terms of the essence? It's it's fantastic to talk about the takeaway food, but are we eating well, proper it, Indian when we do that or is there something else that we should um, be doing? Look, without maligning anything, but it tends to be very one-dimensional. And, you know, there are those dishes that you mentioned like, you know, butter chicken, the vindaloo, the, um, you know, the tandoori, um, a madras curry, which does not exist. Um, A madras curry does um, not exist. And that's the... Well, you can't break somebody's dream like that, Christina, not explain that. (laughs) Well, there are curries... The curries change all over the over the country, but I think we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, but but just back to that point, um, it's there's such and it's there's an it's in, infinite the um, the diversity um, in in how the food changes according to the season, according to the region that you're in, according to the city that you're in, according to the religion that you cook from, or the caste. So it's you know similar ingredients. All managed in, in a in a different way, and so there is there are endless varieties, and I think 
The other thing too that makes it um, quite alluring for a lot of travellers is the is the focus on plant life on vegetables over there that's in the cooking. The, yeah, the vegetable markets are are the best, you know, um, and they're not confronting like some of the other markets can be. Um, and there's such a strong um, ethos of um, vegetarian cooking um, in in the country from the from the Hindus. So when we go. Um, lucky enough. When are we to visit. going? Would yes, you like to I'm come? Just, I'm just thinking. I've just been. <laughs> I've just been thinking while you've been talking, which is why I'm looking at you working out the dates. So when we go, what what do we absolutely need to try? So you've taken me, assume, and you and this is the person whose life you have to change okay. in every way. What are you going to do? Okay, what I would do, we'd we'd go to a few different places. Yep, and um, and I. I try and get everyone that travels because I take people travelling there a couple of times a year, small groups, yep. and introduce the country through its food. Um, and so I try and get people to not be so timid, you know, pack your curiosity when you come, be brave, make brave decisions. Does brave mean eat yeah. hot or does brave no, mean No, no, just be brave, wide. being prepared to, yes. you know, to, to give stuff a go. Yep. Um, I don't find Indian food hot at all. They use a lot of spices, which are often aromatic. Some spices are cooling for the body, yes. some are warming because it all comes back to the Ayurvedic practice of, you, you know, go. of yes. wellness and, um, and, you know, looking at your diet in a very holistic way. Um, but the best way is to, it doesn't matter where you are in in the country is to have a tali. And a tali is the name of the plate, which is a round sort of plate that can be, you know, brass or whatever. And and if you and in the villages where they can't afford that, it's a banana leaf. And on that plate is like a little personal buffet. Ah. Oh. Of different things. Can I just get you to spell tali so we can see the word in our heads? Yeah, T H A L I. Simple. Tali. So it's the name of the plate and it's also the name that would be on a menu. The Tali plate today is, you know, and they don't tell you what all the different things are, but there will always be a wet, you know, little wet sloppy sort of curry. There will always be a dal. There will always be some sort of yogurt thing like a ray to salad or whatever. There will always be a pickle. In the centre will be some rice and some sort of flatbread, whether it's chapati or or roti or paratha. Um, and and it just goes from there. So some are very elaborate, um, can have anything up to like 15 things, and there's always an order. You always start on the on the left side and work your way around, and then the little sweet desserts on there too. Um, your little sweetie bit is always around on the right, and that's so you-, you go clockwise from something like yeah. 7 p.m. as it were. Yeah, so a, you just yeah. work your way, work, and and you're always eating. Um, and for Westerners, sit on your left hand and um, eat with your right. And it's about bringing the um, the a little bit of the food into the rice, mixing it all in with the bread, and and just picking it up. And um, because and it's a it's this is a fantastic saying, and it's always stayed stayed with me after an Indian friend told me, before you eat your food, you must make love to it. So we oh. caress it with our hands. Do we need to know that one every <laughs> single time? Isn't that the Best thing Isn't to hear. It? Oh, can you do it with sausages and mash? You absolutely <laughs> can, can't you? You can you could do that with what a lovely thing to think. We need to write that down somewhere. You must make love to it before you eat it. In in all sorts of ways. So the tali is not something, it, it's not so commonplace here, is it, that we're, that it's You will see it in some Indian, in Indian restaurants and yep. the talis will change from the south of India to the centre, centre to the east to the west and up into the north. But you will find tali 
everywhere. Given that, and we're in India, what should we actually try the local areas? Is there something that stands out for you? Okay, the first thing I would do is, is um, first thing I do myself is go to, to the street food, check out the street food because um, that's really outside of the home. The street food is really vibrant and that's where you have a, a direct conduit into the into the local culture. Um, and a lot of Westerners sometimes are a bit afraid of that um, because some people have this sort of um, um, illusion in, in a way that, you know, that everything in India is dirty and bad and it's often the first question you're asked. It's always such a negative. You get food poisoning anywhere in the world. You can yeah, get you absolutely bad do. stuff happening anywhere yeah. in the world. Um, so I, I take real offence when, when people start off on that point. Um, having said that, there's, you know, I'm very careful and I've learned over many, many years and with, with hanging out with locals where to pick, how to pick the eyes out of it and where the best places to go are that are consistent, that have been there for, you know, often they've taken it over from their families. It's just a, a passed down sort of thing. So you get, and you get the real taste of, of what, um, of what that place is like, you know. So where um, are we going in India then to do this? Okay, so if we're in Hyderabad, yep. um, I'd take you for breakfast to um, to um, a dosa, dosa cart. It's just a little cart and he makes dosa, butter dosa, um, and it's just all the whole thing is done in front of you but on, on a simple flat hot plate. They'll make four dosa at a time, which are just like paper-thin crispy pancake type um, things. Yeah. Fill it with... A hot paste, um, it's all vegetarian, um, some some curried potato, and a l- lashings of butter, and you, <laughs> and you just roll it up in a cone and you and you eat it, Yum. and it's just you know, and for twenty five cents you can you can have twenty five of them, and then he he finishes um, when um, his vat of um, batter has run out, and that's usually around eleven o'clock or midday, depending how busy he's been in the morning. And then another a chat guy comes in. A chat just means snacks, so they're just like little vegetable fried snacks. So he comes in and fills his place. So everyone's sort of got these sort of uh, positions around the cities, wherever they are. And then you whip around the corner and have one of the best lassies, which is like a um, a yogurt based drink. Um, really refreshing. This have. is really difficult listening to you. It just <laughs> yes, because all you want to do is eat when you do so. All right, next one is a simple recipe that people can actually do at home. I would say, first of all, buy my Tasting India book because yes. that's got 280, 300 there you go. recipes that yes. I have collected from people all over India. They're easy and approachable. All the ingredients are, are available to us. You know, we have great um, Indian grocery shops here where you can go and get Everything, all the different types of rice and dals and, you know, spices, et cetera. We so, do have great Indian grocery. Oh, great yeah, totally. Asian yeah. stores. Yes, yeah. there's something like 800 in Australia. Did you yeah. know as many as yeah. there are Woolworths? So yeah. it's easy to I get know. the ingredients. Ex- yeah. Which, you know. It's and, fabulous. And, you know, having a diff- couple of different dals in your cupboard and some basmati rice and stuff, you can do all manner of things. But um, simple things, look. I had a great little snack once in a pub down in Bangalore and it was just called Papadam Masala. <laughs> yes. And masala just means anything. Masala is spice. So it can be a spice blend or, you know, just got a bit yep. of spice in it. And it was a, a Papadam crisp, you know, a yes. big one. like It almost looked like a pizza. 
and they just made a little fresh like a kachumba, which is um, diced tomato, cucumber, red onion, green chilli, and seasoned it with some cumin, some roasted cumin, a little bit of um, Kashmiri chilli and some salt and sprinkled it all over the top of the papadam. And that's what you have with your beer, you know, so something like that. It's, it's a no-brainer. beyond words, yeah. You could talk about India all day. We could stay here for another few hours. Yeah, but I'll I'm, draw a breath in a minute. I'm going to, well, no, because you just make it so inspiring. Um, the, probably the last question is to you, when people say India changes your life, what does that actually mean? It's sort of something that just, I don't know, it gets, it gets into your soul, you gets know, it. and... Um, Everyone has, everyone that's travelled with me has been transformed by the experience, you know, and have come so back. So it takes you from what to what, Christine, when you talk well, about Well, I just think, I think I mentioned the word beige at the beginning. Yes. You know, you just, it takes you outside your comfort zone whether you like it or not. Do you come home with a whole different appreciation of colour? Yes. Which and and flavour. I think it really, okay. um, it just expands the, the palate. Enormously. Well. And it's not like trying to do a, an overload of anything, but I think it really gives people a, um, when they taste all these different things um, an appreciation of um, the subtlety, the subtlety of spice and the depth of flavour and and the interesting sort of com- combinations of, of textures and flavours that you can put together from seeming seemingly just very ordinary, a few ordinary ingredients. So it has to be the next trip. Yeah. Absolutely. Have to. And, and then, you know, we haven't even talked about the mountains. That's a, that's a whole, other, whole other experience. We're going to get you back, I think, <laughs> three and four, or 40 times probably just to equalise <laughs> the amount of times you've gone to India. Um, just amazing. Thank you very much. I, I, it, one can feel oneself how you must fall in love with a place that is so beautiful. Yeah. And, and I'm coming next time. And I think, well, what you need to do, there's, Apart from tasting India, yep. um, which is the, it's full of food recipes and, and travel stories, but I also wrote a travel guide a couple of years ago. Called so, Z- how do we find all this, Christine? Where do we, we go? They're in bookshops, but yes. you can go straight to my website, yes, which please. is christinemanfield.com. Yes. Go straight into the books and you can buy them online and being, I sign them and, and send them to you. But the little oh. guidebook is great. It's just the perfect size. Yes. And it's it's just my personal tips because it's a personal guide to India and Bhutan um, is um, all my favourite places to sleep, which are unashamedly pampering. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm not a backpacker. No. Um, and no, then all my favourite places to eat from street food through to, you know, fine dining restaurants to people's house where, where you've got access to people's houses and what to what to what to eat in in those places so I'll give you tips of you know because a lot of um you know dabas and just regular sort of little restaurants that Indians love choice so you'll always have the Indian food the Anglo food which is horrible and in depending on what part of the country you're in they have a love affair with Chinese food because it's a huge Chinese but biggest Chinatown outside of China is in uh, Calcutta. And so you always have these, you know, Indo-Chinese type things. So, and if you don't know, you think this just looks like a mess, you know, like a jigsaw. So you just always stick with the, um, so I'll always say, okay, if you go to this place, these are the three dishes that are the best. Just don't even look at anything else. Oh, talk about essential reading, both of them. So we go to christinemanfield.com and that'll get us everything. Yeah. It's been a ridiculous pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Ben and listeners, mm-hmm. our next guest is a herb and spice expert and I am so thrilled that we have him board mm-hmm. Ben, to talk to us both. It's Ian Hemphill and he's a well-known Australian cookbook author and the owner of Herbie's Spices. Ian, a really big welcome to the show. You're welcome, you. Ian. Thank you. Pleasure to be talking to you. Hey, Ian, um, we know you've been selling herbs and spices for, you know, many, many decades and you've, <laughs> yes. you've visited, there was a number there I didn't want to read out, but um, yeah, yeah, you've okay. you, you visited um, India, you know, more than a dozen times. Um, can, yeah. you, can you tell us a little bit about maybe a couple of really special experiences you've had in India and where your love for spices came from, I guess? The whole spice thing is so Indian because uh, India happens to be the world's largest producer of spices, it is the world's largest consumer of spices, and it is the world's largest exporter of spices. Mm. <laughs> so well, if you're in the spice business, there's nothing like India. Mm-hmm. Given that, Ian, because we've yeah. been chatting about Indian cuisine, which we all love to death, what what's the, what's the thing about Indian spices, um, the main ones? And if you were to say what we absolutely had to have in our pantry, which would mm. they be? Well, the interesting thing about Indian spices today is that not all of them are necessarily indigenous to India. Mm. So if we look at the sort of the, the, the key ones that are indigenous to India, they're basically things like black pepper, um, cumin seed, cardamom pods, fenugreek seed. These are the ones that um, were native to India. But of course, over the centuries, many, many spices have come to India. So mm. for instance, chilies. It's hard to believe that only 500 years ago, there was not a single chili consumed in India. Yeah. <laughs> and that's because chilies, all their derivatives weren't known until the Spaniards bumped into the Americas, mm. found chilies, which they referred to as peppers or pimenton, which is Spanish for pepper, took them around the world. And of course, the Indians warmly embraced chili and are now probably the largest chili producers in the world. But if we start looking at key flavours for Indian cuisine, I think we would probably have to say that number one would be cumin or cumin, however mm-hmm. you want to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the one that's often referred to as the curry spice, but we mustn't forget the fact that cumin is used in lots of other cuisines as well. It's a key ingredient even in Mexican cuisine. So cumin is a very important one. Black pepper, of course, black pepper native to India and black pepper will be found in nearly all Indian recipes. Cinnamon is very important. Primarily, most of the cinnamon originally came from Sri Lanka. Uh, That's the Sri Lankan cinnamon. There is another kind of cinnamon that comes from Asia, which is called cassia, or Dutch cinnamon or baker's cinnamon, Mm. the Indians tend to use primarily the Sri Lankan cinnamon, the one that's hand-rolled. And um, so that's a key ingredient. Another one is cloves, which, of course, Mm. are not native to India. Again, they're native to the Indonesian archipelago, but you will find cloves in nearly all Indian recipes. And another really key ingredient is cardamom, the green cardamom pods. They are so characteristically Indian. You'll find them in all of the savoury dishes. Nearly every Indian sweet has cardamom in it. It's a very, very classic uh, Indian spice. Uh, We then have coriander seed. Now, coriander seed is is a spice that is really important because although it doesn't have a really strong flavour of its own, 
it amalgamates and it brings all those other spice flavours beautifully together. So coriander seed is very important. Um, and I always say to people, don't forget the souring agents like tamarind mm. because tamarind is what they will tend to use in their cooking instead of lemon juice. Um, and allspice, another spice which is not native to India, but a lot of it's grown in India now, that's actually native to Jamaica. Allspice is a berry. Um, and it has a flavour, you could say, a little bit like mild cloves, mm -hmm. and you'll find it used in pickles and relishes and things, but you'll find the Indians use it a lot in their cuisine. So they're probably the really the key ones that you'll see, but, of course, in addition to that, you'll get ones like ginger and turmeric, which are uh, absolutely essential. Oh, turmeric, of course. Turmeric is another key one that you will find in all Indian cooking. Um, and uh, then, of course, there are some fairly unusual ones. There's one called dagaful, which is actually a kind of lichen, and mm. that is used in the beautiful Chetanad cuisine of India. So there's mm. lots of variety. And, and what creates the variety is very often the balance of those spices that are used. So what's used in the north will be very much based on a lot of the seed spices and the things that grow in that uh, temperate part of the world. But then you'll find when you get down south, you will get a lot of things like cardamom, ginger, turmeric, and of course, lots of coconut because a lot of coconut mm. grows in the south. So you do find the regional, uh, quite distinct regional differences between the north and the south. But uh, wherever you go, the flavours are just uh, are just beautiful. <laughs> you can't resist it's, them. Can I ask yeah. where do, um, I hope this isn't a silly question, where do curry leaves yeah. fit into the... No, mix? it's an excellent question, actually. Um, curry leaves are the leaves of a marea plant. So mm. you know the decorative marea that we see, the, um, um, the mock orange? Yep. Yeah. Member of the same family, but its botanical name is Marea conigii, mm -hmm. and it grows a lot in the south of India. Um, it has a leaf pattern that looks very similar to the decorative Marea, mm -hmm. and the curry leaves are not really used to make a curry, mm -hmm. but they're called curry leaves because they're put into curries. Um, you know, I remember when we first started selling curry leaves, a lot of people would say to us, oh, so that's what the they curry make curry from. from. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they're, they're added to a curry and they're absolutely beautiful. And the two main ways that they're generally used, one way that I absolutely love is when you've uh, heated your oil or ghee in a pan, Put in your curry leaves, have a lid handy very quickly because if you're using fresh leaves, they'll pop and spit a lot. So mm -hmm. you need to put a lid on so they don't fly out all over the kitchen. Uh, and as soon as they're fried, scoop them out with a slotted spoon, put them on some um, paper towel and then use those fried curry leaves as a garnish on your Indian dishes wow. and and look beautiful and taste fantastic. Can I just ask, um, you've gone through an, a lot of spices here, including the beautiful yes. curry leaves. If yes. you're not a regular Indian chef at home, which yes. but, but you want to do it occasionally or you just want to have damn good spices in your pantry, which are the four yes. or five of these that are essential, Ian, do you think? Okay. First of all, come and seed. Yep. And you can buy the whole seed and just grind up the quantity that you need or you can buy it ground. Uh, black pepper, very important. Coriander seed, very important. Cardamom, mm. also important. And turmeric. Now, if you've got those, you would be able to make 
the and of course you'd need some chili, but chili becomes a thing that very much depends on people's personal taste preferences mm. and whether they like a lot or a little or none at all. But um, but those fundamental ones um, are the ones that if you've got those, you would be able to get stuck into the majority of Indian recipes or you could give something an Indian flavour. You, you, you could be making a, um, a, a lentil stew and you use a combination of those spices in it and you've got an Indian-flavoured uh, lentil dish. Beautiful. There you go. I'm just oh, thinking, yeah. can they give pasta a bit of a lift too? I'm <laughs> sure you know, there's, sure there's a bolognese a trick in there somewhere, Ian. <laughs> yeah, Ian, one, yeah. Of, one of the things we ask everyone is um, just about like a moment they've had when they've travelled to this particular destination that they're expert in. Now, you must have dozens and dozens and dozens of these. Is there is there one you can relate to us quickly, just a moment, a real pinch me moment in India when you've, you know, experienced something extraordinary? Oh, I think probably the most uh, amazing thing, if I could think to it, well, I've been so many. Yeah. Uh, when I was in a Hindu temple in Madurai, um, and it was just full of you know thousands of people, and the, around the edges there were all these various people who were selling things, <laughs> which mm. was quite interesting. And I sat down beside this old guy and uh, he was probably, you know, looked 20 years older than he really was. But uh, this uh, this old fella who looked as though he must have been about 90. Mm -hmm. And I sat down beside him and we just chatted. It must have been for about 20 minutes. And I just thought, you know, um, it's, it's amazing. Individually, we're all pretty insignificant. There's this huge world of people around us. There's all these other people and you can just sit down with someone that you've never met before. You'll never meet again. Um, there's maybe a minor language barrier, but apart from that, you can just sort of be with them and you go away and you just, I don't know, you just feel, hey, that was so special. That's a, prop, that's a proper go. moment, Julia. It's a it? proper moment yeah. and it just sort of yeah. changes who you are, I think, mm. from there on in a little bit, doesn't it? It yep. does. All those things do and I think that that's the thing that, that we find about India. It, it is, it's a fascinating place. I know there's lots of things about it that are, they're not all, all that good, and um, and but there are other things that are. There is just so much beauty and mm. kindness. Um, you see every aspect of human nature in that country, mm. and it's not behind closed doors. It's there. You see it, and you cope with it, and you learn to understand it and love it. Um, Ian, we've loved speaking to you uh, this morning. So, so much to learn from what you've just said. I, know, I don't know. I've been writing notes all the mm, way along. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, uh, where, Pleasure. Pl pl where can people go to find out more information, Ian, that you were just talking about before? And I'm sure tons yeah. more. Yeah. Best thing to do is to go to our website, which is just herbies.com.au. Mm -hmm. There are lots of recipes there which are uh, done by our eldest daughter who trained at Prueleaf School of Food and Wine in London. Mm. And Kate uh, is very clever when it comes to recipes. Uh, there is lots of general spice information. There's a contact us. If anyone's got any questions, they can easily ask us. Uh, they can order online. They can also search for stockists around Australia. We do not sell to the major supermarket chains, but we do sell to privately owned specialty food stores. And people can find those by searching stockists on our website. 
And if anyone's really interested, they'll probably find that my latest book, The Spice and Herb Bible, third edition, which is 800 pages of information, um, and uh, started off in Australia, but has been called Spice Notes. And this book's published in Canada and sold in Canada, the US and the UK and Australia. And it's a book where I've really tried in non-technical terms to give people all the sort of information that they would like, but also lots of little background stories and anecdotes about the various experiences that Liz and I have had uh, when we've been researching spices, not only in India, but in other places like Turkey and Egypt, etc. Sounds like the perfect gift to me Mm. after you bought one for yourself. (laughs) We'll put the website in the show notes, um, Ian, and it's been an absolute delight to have you. I think it's very safe to Mm. say that you are the spiciest person we have (laughs) spoken to and not like to find anyone <laughs> spicier than you, sir. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure. Okay. Good to talk to you, babe. Thank yeah. you. Now, who better to talk to about travelling in India than someone who has run up and down the length of the country? Oh, my heavens. Our next guest, Pat Farmer, is a well-known Australian ultramarathon runner who in 2016 ran from the bottom to the top of India. Now, that's only one of Pat's many accomplishments. Among other remarkable things, he has also famously run from the North Pole down to the South Pole, and he's a former politician and a keynote speaker. Welcome, Pat, to the show. We are very honoured for for you to be here and for us to be speaking to you. Well, thanks so much. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, we have so much to ask you about India, but first tell us about your Spirit of India run in 2016. You ran from... Kanyakumari, which is a coastal town on India's southern tip, to Kashmir, which is a mountainous region way up north. Is that correct? And did I pronounce them both appropriately? Well, pretty close. Kanyakumari to Kashmir. So Kashmir up in the mountains, uh, close to the Himalayan mountains, or certainly up there at the start of the, the, the Indian part of the Himalayas. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Kanyakumari at the southernmost point. Now, uh, the two extremes, uh, when I got to the end, of course, um, uh, when I got to the end, uh, it was snow at the tops of the mountains and uh, quite cold and uh, beautiful in its own right, um, with, mud, of course, mudslides on the sides of the roads from wow. fallen snow and, and, and rain as well. But where I started was tropical, uh, so uh, very much like the far northern parts of um, uh, Queensland here in Australia, and, and very, very tropical, beautiful emerald lakes that lead out to the ocean. Uh, on uh, uh, on my left hand side as I headed up from Kanyakumari on towards Mumbai uh, and through some of the most uh, picturesque uh, parts of India. So, uh, Pat, what was the distance? Well, the distance was uh, just uh, just under um, uh, just under five thousand kilometres, so around um, uh, around four thousand nine hundred kilometres in total distance, uh, but. Um, like I said, it was just a matter of uh, trying to complete each day, 80, 80 kilometres per day every single day, no days off. Wow. Uh, and um, organised functions uh, at the end of most days, as the Indians do very, very well. So there was functions and singing and dancing and displays on at the end of each day, highlighting each of the locations that I ran through. Now, given that you have seen a vast difference from region to region in India, the way you just described it, what do you think are the best things about travelling to India? Well, I think it's diversity without a doubt. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's such an amazing place. Let me give you an example. There was one area that I ran through uh, um, in close, not too far from Delhi, uh, where you were looking at 
the richest places on earth uh, and only 800 metres away were the, some of the poorest shanty towns I've ever seen. So, you know, such an absolute contrast within spitting distance from one place to the next. But if you accept India as being India, then you're going to have the wildest experience that you've ever imagined. Uh, you're going to see some of the most amazing scenes and uh, uh, and it, it's it's just incredible. I mean, they have, they have elephants there, they have lions and tigers there. Uh, um, you know, there, there is tropical areas, there's snow skiing up in the north. There's so much of the whole world packed into one country. There's so many different languages. Uh, the second largest population in the world living side by side. So many different religions, uh, temples, uh, mosques, uh, churches, uh, all side by side. And somehow, some way, they make it work. So when people say, go to India and your life will be changed forever, is it that juxtaposition of everything you just described which does it? Yeah, it's exactly that. I'll never forget, many, many runners, they, um, you get yourself into a bit of a zone. So I was running on down the road and I was in this zone where I was sort of zoning out on everything. I was down towards 70 or, or almost 80 k's of my days running, so down towards the end. And a bus came past me in the opposite direction. There were people sitting on the roof of the bus and hanging out the windows. And they're sitting on the roof of the bus. With one hand, they're hanging on to the roof rack uh, of this bus. And with the other hand, they're hanging on to their suitcases. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I heard a screech of brakes and um, a cow was walking across the road. <laughs> And all the traffic stopped for this cow. These people almost went flying off the roof of the, roof of the bus. Got you out of your but, zone, um, Pat. The cow just took its time and walked across the road and everybody just got on with business as usual. Over here they'd be cursing and swearing, there'd be road rage, there'd be all oh, sorts of problems. police and everything. I challenge anyone to visit India for any length of time beyond a week and not come back a changed person. It's that type of place. So we talk about moments that you have when you're traveling on the show i'll ask you two questions that 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 being beside gandhi's ashes must have been a moment for you certainly was it certainly was and um traveling into like i said through uh Chandigarh, which was very very civil and very organized but of course um Amristad, where where i went to the golden temple and i had the chance to actually uh work in the golden temple for a day that was in itself was an experience imagine that you have to you have to run 80 kilometres a day every single day to stay on schedule. Uh, and, and normally I would start at 5am in the morning, but oh, because gosh. I was invited to the temple to see the opening of the Holy Book for that morning, uh, I was there at 3am. I didn't leave there until 10.30 that morning and still I had one of the best runs and one of the greatest days of my life because I was so inspired watching this, this, this Holy Book carried through crowds of thousands of people above their heads and and laid down in front of the high priest where he opened up the book and read out the message for the day that all the Sikhs, all the Sikhs and all the people that were present would live their life by that day, a, a day of, uh, of, of awakening and understanding towards other people. Uh, and then being able to see that holy book as it's read out and then going and working in the kitchen where we literally fed thousands of people that day that lined up to be fed uh, you know, sometimes cups of tea, sometimes soup, sometimes, a, you know, a, a mixture of, of stews and things. And I, I worked in these kitchens where the big melting pots were the size of, a, of, of two or three cars. Uh, um, and, and, you know, all the ingredients were thrown in there and a stew was made out of that. And then it was, was handed out to people. And my, 
myself and my crew were amongst those people that were handing out the, the food to everybody. We were so uplifted and so inspired by the wonderful work and the kindness that goes on in this place that it, it helped me to run with wings on my feet that particular day. Well, you make it sound very, very uplifting and very, very inspiring, Pat. Um, it's It's got to be one of those must-see places in all of our lives and we are very grateful to you to have you on the show where can our listeners find you to to read to see to hear more about what you do if they simply go to patfarmer.com they can find a lot of information about about india and the many other countries that i've run through well you know what here on taste bud traveler we think you're a running miracle mister thank you very much for your time Ben, you know what? This is just such a wonderful pastime, sitting here and talking about it. Not quite as good as going, but however... It's up there. Uh, it is, isn't it? Mm. Enough to fill the travel soul, I mm-hmm. have to say. So um, I totally enjoy it. Thank you for all your information no too. I love nothing more than a good bit of travel natter. Me too. Mm. Yes. Mm. And you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And listeners, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and uh, tell your friends and family all about Taste by Traveller. And we love hearing from you. So be sure to leave comments wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we look forward to taking you on another journey soon. See you later, Ben. Ciao. And listeners, bye. Bye.